All right, so Pastor Rob asked me to speak uh, this week, and he said I could give my testimony if I wanted, um, and, and that is what I was going to do, but um, throughout the week, uh, things changed, and so I'm going to scrap the testimony. It's even in the bulletin. Um, if you really want to know my testimony, you could just ask me, um, or maybe we'll do that a different day, but... Uh, <clears throat> But the, the older I've gotten and the longer my testimony has gone on, the more I realize how little I have it together, right? When you're younger, you have energy and you're excited and, and you think you're smarter than everyone else. But then as you get older, you realize, mm, I, I don't really know that much. So, so I do not stand before you as someone who has who has it all figured out, but rather as someone who is in the middle of his own sanctification and, and will be for a very long time, right? Uh, but I am getting older. Next year, 2020, will be my 25th year of graduation from high school. Um, right? That's absurd to me. I'm 41 years old. I feel like I'm in my mid-20s. Like, I don't feel like I'm in my 40s. I feel young for the most part. My back hurts sometimes. But, but I can still dominate these young boys on the basketball court. Right, Nick? No comment. Okay. Um, <clears throat> but uh, so some of my classmates decided they were going to have sort of a mini reunion before the big 25 uh, um, a few months ago. So, so we got around 20 or 25 people to, to meet up at someone's house and, and catch up and have dinner and that kind of thing. And some, some of these people I hadn't seen since high school for 25 years. I hadn't talked to them. Some did not remember me, right? We didn't have like this big 500-person class where it's like, oh, I didn't see this. No, our class was like 50, 50 people. And some of them just didn't remember who I was. Man, I am that forgettable. Okay, uh, that hurts a little bit. But at the end of the night, they gave out two prizes. Two prizes. One for most weight gained, and one for most hair lost. Can you guess who won both? Yeah, me. Right? And I'm not huge, right? But I was, I was really, as Charlie used to tell me when I was in, in high school, he said, I had to run around in the shower to get wet because I was so skinny. Um, <clears throat> that's humbling, <laughs> right? Humbling can come quickly and unexpectedly. Now, it wasn't really a problem. I, I knew it was a joke, but some people could take that to heart. And some people can brush things off quickly. But what happens when the humbling lasts a lot longer? When the pain goes much deeper and doesn't stop? Times when we thought we wanted something and could even make a case that it was a legitimate need, but it seemed like God was choosing not to give it to us or even sometimes outright causing the struggle. Some of us have gone through sickness, rough spots in the marriage, financial problems, loneliness, and wondered why God was making life harder for us. 
We wonder why God is withholding certain things from us. That's the question I want to answer for us today directly from God's word. What might God's purpose be in the struggles that seem to be dragging out and taking forever when it seems that God is holding out on us? So turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 8. That's the fifth book of the Bible. Uh, As you turn there, let me set the stage, all right? We're in Deuteronomy, which if you break the, the word down, Deuteronomy is the second giving of the law. Deutero, second, namos, the Greek word for law, um, <clears throat> by, the, by Moses to the people of Israel. They're, they're preparing to enter the promised land, right? But they've been through 40 years of wandering in the wilderness due to disobedience. Here, Moses is giving them a charge and explaining to them why they went through those struggles in spite of the fact that they were the chosen people of God. And in this text, we'll see how God uses these afflictions and humiliations for three main purposes in this passage, to expose, to increase, and to inspire, okay? We'll see what it exposes, increases, and inspires as we go. The first purpose for our struggles, the first reason God allows suffering into our lives, he says, is to expose our hearts. God humbles us to expose our heart. Look at verses one and two. The whole commandment that I command you today, you shall be careful to do, that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land that the Lord swore to give to your fathers. And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might Humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. They had been in the wilderness 40 years, going where God told them to go and camping out where God told them to set up camp. And God used these wanderings to shape his people. Why did the Israelites need shaping? Because they were kind of a train wreck, right? They needed a lot of work. Remember, they hadn't been liberated from Egypt for all but a couple of days, and they were already forging golden calves out of the fire. They complained every time things got hard and accused God of abandoning them when there was no water or when there even wasn't just the kind of food that they liked. They jumped into sexual immorality and idolatry with the Midianites the first chance they got. They needed to learn how to make war before they entered the land. That was how they were going to take the land, and God used those 40 years to teach them how to make war. They were God's chosen people, but they had no idea how to represent God to the nations around them which is what they were going to do in the promised land. They were not ready 40 years ago, but they are now after going through the wilderness. So what is the wilderness? What is the wilderness for us? It's those times when it seems like no matter what you do, nothing works out, 
It's disappointment after disappointment after disappointment. When you have waited and prayed for weeks, months, years, and there seems to be no change in your situation, when it seems like God is not listening, when you seem to have no direction in your life, you just don't know what to do next. And even recently, we've seen it can be a major event that changes the course of your life and you're not sure how to navigate it. All of these things can seem like a wilderness period for us, and we know God has the power to change our situation, but he lets it continue, and we wonder why. But we can see with the Israelites, God had to bring real-life trial and testing and pain in the lives of the Israelites and in our lives in order to reveal whatever sinful attitudes might be lying dormant in the depths of our hearts, past the superficial faith. Pain. Why pain? All right? Pretty much all English versions of verse 2 say that God, what? Humbled them. But in almost every other context where this Hebrew word is used, It means to oppress or afflict or do violence to. So this is not a passive, internalized type of humbling. So we don't get to just hear a nice sermon or teaching and commit to doing what that sermon says and be humbled that way. That's the easy way out. God is far too hands-on with us to let us get off that easy. There is something much more concrete and effective about experiencing pain that exposes our hearts. There is something in our hearts that is forced to make a choice about whether we will truly be faithful to God through the struggle or whether we were only willing to serve God when he gave us exactly what we wanted and things were smooth. How easy it can be to serve God and perform tasks, but keep the darkness hidden. But pain, ooh, pain reminds us that there is a cost to being a servant of God, to being committed. In order to be committed, when that pain causes an issue to surface, we have to make a decision whether we want to hold on to that sinful attitude or action and please ourselves, or will we choose obedience to God? God is testing, right? Testing to see what is in our hearts in tough times. He wants to know if we will be faithful to him. But that's not how we want it to work, right? Give me what I want first, and then I'll obey. But God doesn't work that way. He exposes our hearts and brings us to a crisis point of decision, whether to ignore or obey, and that requires being humbled and disappointment sometimes. And so the reality is, all of us need to be exposed. All of us have secret issues in our heart, whether we're aware of them or not. 
and it's better for God to deal with it now. All of us need to be taken down a notch, no matter how long you've been a Christian or how much education you have. I had a, a guest instructor one time in seminary, and uh, he, was, he was blind. But he was teaching in seminary. His name is uh, Mike Justice. And he used to teach all the seminary students about how to minister to people with disabilities. And he told our class that when he entered seminary, he found out that he needed a kidney transplant. He's already blind, right? And now his kidney fails. And he's paying all this money to become a better minister for God. And now this. But he also told us, he said, after going through all that, he summed it all up by saying, I'm an arrogant man, but I am a less arrogant man because of my blindness and my kidney failure and suffering. See, his pain surfaced his arrogance that he would have never known was under the surface. All of our current failures and disappointments are intended to cause us to evaluate our commitment to God as we continually choose his ways when he exposes what's really in our heart. So that's the first point. The first point is that God humbles us to expose our hearts. But there's also more to it than simply figuring out if we will obey him or not. God is not just trying to beat us up uh, as much as he can to see how much we'll still obey to see how long before he can break us and still be willing to serve him. God has more purposes than just knowing what's in our heart, just exposing and testing. The second reason God humbles us is to increase our hunger for him. All right, God humbles us to increase our hunger for him. Look at verses uh, three through six. This is what it says. And he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothing did not wear out on you, and your foot did not swell these 40 years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, the Lord your God disciplines you. So you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God by walking in his ways and by fearing him. Moses tells us that a part of God's humbling of the Israelites was to cause them to hunger. Everybody needs food, right? Even God's chosen people. But God chose to let them hunger and wait. Of course, we're familiar with the story of manna and how God provided for the needs of the people through manna, but, but God was doing something bigger than just meeting the needs of Israel. The text says he gave them manna, something no one had ever seen before. Literally, the word manna means, what is it? Yes, he let them hunger, but he met them. He met their need according to his way of provision, not any way they could work at and manipulate and manufacture. Their provision 
was going to come, but only by the word of God. That's what God was teaching them. You need to hunger for me and my word more than just the thing that you think you want and need in the moment because I am your only true hope of provision. It is only through God's direction that we are given what we need. This verse is familiar to us, right? Because we know Jesus used it in the midst of his temptation in the wilderness against Satan. Yes, even Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was led into the wilderness on purpose by the Holy Spirit for 40 days, and he was made to hunger. None of us is exempt from the wilderness. This is the hands-on kind of parenting and discipline that separates God from human parents, right? People would probably report God to child services these days, right? For his disciplinary message. Because God says, I did this to discipline you. I let you be hungry. You let, Chris, if you let Isabel go hungry on purpose, what would they do to you? Right. And they should. (laughs) But God is perfectly wise. He perfectly knows our limits. He perfectly knows exactly how to craft a situation for each person to accomplish exactly what he wants to accomplish, exposing our hearts and causing us to hunger more for him. So although Jesus was hungry and starving, and he could have used his own power, right? He had all the power in the universe to satisfy himself and turn stones into bread, but he chose to remain dependent on his father because he knew it was better to hunger for the father and be dependent on him than to trust in his own abilities. It's not just about obeying the rules. It's about hungering for a relationship with the one who can satisfy all our hunger. Now, for me, personally, many of you know, I'm in a, I'm in a visa wilderness right now. Uh, I've been trying to get a, just a visitor's visa for the last three years and nothing I try works out. I haven't been able to visit any family, any friends, uh, anything like that. And it just feels so, like, it just feels unfair. Uh, not only that, I'm going to be vulnerable a little bit. Uh, I'm in my 40s, and I'm still single. Uh, and I'm wondering if God has a woman for me to marry. Um, But I'm learning that although I want a wife, God wants me to want him more than that. To trust more in his word than getting the girl for my satisfaction. No no father wants a relationship with their child who only loves him because of what he gives to them. Nicholas, you took uh, Mercy out on a daddy-daughter date last night. If Mercy told you she only wanted to hang out with you because you were buying her food, that might be the only reason. reason. Does that make you feel good? No. Okay. Exactly. God wants us to choose him, not just because of the thing we want, 
but he wants us to come to him because I want him and his word, because I value him and his word more. And he, he won't let me have it until I stop trying to satisfy my own hunger and come to the one who can satisfy me much better by his word. So when God chooses to let you hunger for something and you don't get what you expected or you needed, remember that he is using that to remind you that what you need, that what you think you need is not more important than your relationship with him. He's using that hunger to make you hungrier for the true bread of life because it is only through him that you'll be satisfied and provided for. So, We've seen God humbles us to expose our hearts and to increase our hunger for him. But there is one more purpose in this passage. We also see that the ultimate reason God humbles us to inspire is to inspire greater honor to him. God humbles us to inspire greater honor to him. So God says he's testing us, right? Or he's testing the Israelites. How do we pass the test? After charging the Israelites to keep God's commandments, he describes the land that the people are entering. It's a land of plenty with water and fruit and bread in abundance. They won't be hungry anymore. And Moses brings brings it to a climax in verse 10. This is what he says. And you shall eat and be full, and you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. You shall bless the Lord your God. The Hebrew word barak here, to bless, it's used 39 times in the book of Deuteronomy. And every single time it is used of God blessing his people. Except here, this is the only time where the people are said to bless God. And when does it come? It comes after God has made their hunger cease and brought them into the good land and satisfied them. See, God wants to use our disappointments and struggles as an occasion to praise him when those struggles end. So many times it's just a season we're going through. But while we're in it, It feels like it's forever. There's a song, uh, I'm just thinking of this. Is it called The Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald? Is that what it's called, Dad? You ever heard that song? It's an old song. Um. (laughs) Whoops. And it's 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 just a song about a wreck of a boat. And there's, and the waves and storms are crashing in, and there's just a line in it that says, does anyone know where the love of God goes when the waves turn minutes to hours? Right? When the waves are crashing on us, it's only a minute, but it feels like it's forever. It feels like an hour. But those struggles end. And for some of you, The end will be when God does bless you with what you've been waiting for. For others, it will be 
because you get closure on a difficult trial. But when it does end, you need to be sure to bless God and praise him for the blessings he does give. Um, and I want to be sure not to overpromise here. I don't know if your trial, when it's going to end, if it ends in this life. But I do know that it will end, and ultimately we will be able to bless God in the eternal good land that he will bring us all into if we have our faith in Jesus Christ. I don't know if I'll ever find that dream girl, right? That is not promised to me. But I will continue to allow God to examine my heart, making sure that I'm running back to God so that when my time of testing does end, I'll be able to praise him for all his goodness to me whether it happens in this life or the next one. So Charles Spurgeon has a great quote that sums up what this whole passage is about. He says, you will never glory in God till first of all, God has killed your glorying in yourself. God does not satisfy every want or need in our lives because he is exposing our heart and making us depend on him more than on that need. And once he's gotten ourselves out of the way, we can truly glory in God. That's how we pass the test. So let me summarize this message by asking you a few questions. Ask yourself, what is the current wilderness you're going through? And what is God exposing in your heart What do you need to confess to God? Things that you didn't know about, but are glad now that you have seen them. How has your hunger for him increased through those yearnings? Have you run to him, or have you just gotten bitter? Have you just said, Well, I tried it God's way, and he didn't give me what I wanted, so I'm out. Just going to go do what I want. That's failing the test. That is failing the test. How can you practically live out a desire for his word, right? Because it's through his word. Are you making intentional time to read his word every day? Are you prioritizing time to build your relationship with God? Because if you're not, it's going to feel like torture. The, The wilderness will feel like torture if you're not developing and deepening your relationship with God through it. And finally, how can you be intentional about praising him when he brings you through these trials and even during the trials? He's preparing you through the pain. You can thank him in his purpose. His purpose is bigger than the pain.
Let's pray. Father God, Lord, our suffering is real. There are times where we wonder, and it's okay to wonder. It's okay to question. Many of the Psalms are about asking you to intervene in our situation. Lord, I pray that we would not um, accuse you of being uncaring. But I pray that each one of us would run to you in our wilderness, in our times of suffering, in our times of confusion, when we don't know what's happening and why it's happening and why we have to wait. Father, help us to see the purpose in it. Help us to know that loving you is more important Lord, I, I do pray that you would provide, that you would give us opportunities to praise you for your provision and deliverance. For each person out here today who has a legitimate need, God, I pray that you would just meet that need in a way where there is no other explanation than that you did it and that we would turn around and show the world that you are a good God who loves us and disciplines us well. Father, help us to be patient. Help us to pass the test. In Jesus' name, amen.